Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Good to be with all of our listeners as it always is. We look forward to being with you each day on this program, and we're thankful that you tune in. And we know that many of you do on a daily or at least a near daily basis. And we appreciate the many comments, phone calls, emails, uh, communications that we've received from so many of our listeners. And many of them who actually live in the Omaha area have visited with us, and many of those on a continual basis. And that's very encouraging to us, not just to stroke us or to just uh, flatter us in some way, but because that you're getting something out of these teachings. You're realizing that you're actually having the Bible taught and that it means something to you. And in many cases, it's actually changing people's lives. And through all of that, we're bringing glory to God. We really believe that. And that's our bottom line goal. So we're thankful to hear from you. We're thankful for your listening each day. If you're listening on a new basis, we hope that you will become impressed with the fact that this program, we strive to teach the Bible, to really get into God's Word, to dig deep, look at it in detail. And yet, even though we try to do so tactfully, without any apology, teach the truth of what it says. We appreciate you tuning in. We hope you will contact us, and we hope that you'll continue to listen on a regular basis. It's always good to be here with those who work with me, Dennis Stackhouse, Dwayne Kennedy. Dwayne's not been able to be with us a lot lately because of scheduling conflicts, but it's good to have him with us today. Thank you, Gary. It's always great to sit in the chair of Bible education and to be on this uh, teaching panel as we strive to do here on our radio program. It's sad that I can't be here always, but I always do appreciate when I am able to be here and grateful as always that our audience is listening with us. That is that you are joining us in the seat of Bible education. We are trying to teach the Bible and we are glad that you are trying to learn. Hope and look forward to many, many opportunities for us to study together. It's also good to be with Dennis Stackhouse again. Thank you, Duane. Gary, I'm certainly delighted to be with you both on the program today. And you know, I've, I've listened to both of you speak about how important it is for us to teach God's Word accurately and to make sure the truth is coming forth, and that's exactly what we strive to do here on Search the Scriptures. And you know, it reminded me that sometimes the truth will hurt. And, you know, I mean that, you know, you think about someone who's living in a lifestyle of sin, and perhaps they hear the word taught, and that particular sinful lifestyle is exposed, and it's painful. And really, I think that's a good thing. If people feel pained, at hearing some of the teachings of God's Word, perhaps it will spur them to examine their own lives, look at their own hearts, and realize, you know, I've been living the wrong way. I need to turn this around. Certainly. You know, it, it's not a situation where any preacher or Bible class teacher should strive to just hurt people no. just for the sake of hurting them, trying to in some way inflict emotional pain or whatever, but it's just as wrong and perhaps even more injurious to a person when a Bible class teacher or a preacher will just try to make everybody feel good all the time. Mm -hmm. When 
so many times, so many people are living in a self-destructive lifestyle that's going to lead to their eternal ruin. Right. To make somebody feel good in that kind of situation is to do them injustice and injury. Right. Yes. It's not to be responsible as a teacher of God's word at all. Mm-hmm. Now, fellas, we're going to finish up this series of lessons that we've been looking at, asking the question, what would you give or take in exchange for your soul? Now, as we come to this final program in this particular study, I think it would be good for us to go back to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27, our base text, and read that again. Dennis, how about reading that for us? Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Now we went into some depth in looking at this particular text, and we, we talked about the, the impact that it's really trying to get on the heart of the individual. What would you take or give in exchange for your soul? Mm-hmm. And what if you gain the whole world? Mm-hmm. Is that worth your soul? And of course, it's a rhetorical question that Jesus asks. We know the answer, and we quickly spew it out. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing. I wouldn't give anything in exchange for my soul. I wouldn't take anything. But do we live in a different reality? Mm-hmm. And that's what we need, to be think- we need to be thinking about and be careful of always. Now, we talked about how in verses 21 through 23, when we went back and looked at the, the text in a little bit, you know, a pre-setting before we get into verses 24 through 27, we talked about how that faithfulness means that Jesus has to be number one in your life all mm-hmm. the time. That's right. You can't just say he's number one. You've got to live in such a way that he really is number one in your life. Mm-hmm. Now, in verse 24, then, to follow Jesus means self-denial. It does. Now, that does not always mean that we've got to, to somehow strip ourselves of everything that's, that's pleasurable in our lives or comfortable, but it means that we've got to put Jesus first. Mm-hmm. And he says there, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So Jesus, again, has to be number one in our lives. Mm -hmm. In verse 25, whoever would put his own life, his own physical well-being, his own desires, his personal dreams and assets above Jesus is not worthy of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. See, we've got to find priorities, don't we? Yes. We really do. You know, it's a pretty amazing statement that Jesus makes Uh, throughout this text that we read, Gary, uh, a lot of things that people probably don't think about on a regular basis. Denying self, that's, uh, if anything, an afterthought. It's not forefront in our minds. It's not something we naturally tend to do. And yet Jesus said, you know, 
If you want to be my follower, that's one of the prerequisites. You know, I remember I was teaching a, a Bible class many, many years ago, and I talked about this very scenario. Now, maybe not from this particular text, but this, this idea is carried out a number of times in, in Scripture. And, and I talked about how, especially in this country, we have come to look at luxuries as necessities in life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, you stop and you think about it, and we say, boy, we're just barely getting by. We're just, you know, we just, just everything takes everything we make just to make ends meet, just to pay the bills, just to get, take care of the necessities. And I, and I, I talked to the Bible class at that time. I said, now think about where we live. We live in a lot of times what would look like in, in many parts of the world, luxurious homes. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't look at them as luxurious. We think, this is just a really run-of-the-mill house here, you know. <laughs> I could use another one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, three bedrooms, two baths. But now, stop and think about, a lot of people in a lot of parts of the world don't have any baths inside at all. Three no. bedrooms? Mm-hmm. They may all live in one or two or three rather small rooms by comparison to what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And we eat basically what we want for the most part. I mean, and we go out to fast, we buy fast food, we go to restaurants, we've got wall-to-wall carpeting, we've got probably at least two color televisions in the house. And so many of us are hooked up to cable systems wherein we may have 100, 150, 200 channels to choose from. Amazing how often when you have that, there's so little on to look at. You know? but, but all of this, and, and think about it. We can go to the grocery store, and there's an abundance of food there. And we can go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And even when somebody loses their job in this country, there's unemployment usually for the most part, and it gets extended for a long period of time. And we're just so blessed. Now, when we're talking about the necessities, a whole lot of what we just described are not necessities. No, they're not. And I remember one brother, he spoke up and he said, now you talk about all those things, but you've got all of those things. Mm -hmm. Well, the point was we all have all of those things, basically. Mm -hmm. But they're not, I wasn't saying it was wrong to have any of those things or an abundance of all of those things. The point I was trying to make was we have become so accustomed to extra that we have come to see the extra as necessities. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I know people have done studies on that very thing. You know, and they'll go back in history 50 years or 100 years, whatever it is, and they'll say, now, 100 years ago, the average family had 31 necessities. Fifty years ago, the average family had 62 necessities. In this day and age, you know, you may not be able to count the number yes. of necessities that people think are necessities. Yes, yeah, it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. And maybe we ought to do a, a, a program just on that particular concept mm-hmm. and, and think about what we look at as being necessary in our lives when it's really so much of it is, is extra, it's a luxury. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is trying to get across here that if we're going to follow him, we've got to put him first. Mm-hmm. Right. Got to put him first. 
And if, we're, if we want to save our life, he's talking about spiritually there and eternally, then we're going to have to give up our life to serve him. Mm-hmm. Give our life over to him. Now in verse 26, uh, well, let's go back before we get into verse 26. Let's, let's look at a couple more passages that support what we've talked about in verse 25. We cannot put our life, our well-beings, our desires, our dreams ahead of following and serving Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Dwayne, how about reading that for us? Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. How many of us can really look and say we've suffered persecution? We cannot. Not for Christ anyway. Yeah, not for Christ. We cannot say that we have. Now maybe we've been taunted a little bit by friends or associates who made fun of us because of our dedication to Christ, our determination to be faithful. But that's probably about the extent of it. Yeah, or maybe at work we've had to endure things that we'd rather not listen to and treatment that we'd rather not be treated that way because they know that we are Christians, but not really anything that we would not soon forget about. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in some cases we've had to stand up for our rights so that we could not be browbeaten into doing something that was against our principles of Christianity. But probably very few Christians in this country could say that they've really been persecuted anything very seriously or on a long-lasting basis for their faith. But that could happen. Certainly it could happen. And Jesus says, whoever will live a godly life will suffer persecution. Yes. Now it may not be physical persecution, but it could be, and this, this I think does happen fairly commonly, it could be emotional or relational persecution where a wife becomes a Christian, her husband is not ready for her to leave that lifestyle of worldliness with him and he makes it hard for her. Yes. Or vice versa, the husband may become a Christian and the wife makes it hard for her. Or what about if a teenage child becomes a Christian and the parents decide they're not, they don't want that? I actually knew of a, she was not a teenager, or as she was, she was very late in her teens, but she was a young woman. And I think basically, you know, working and supporting herself, and she became a Christian. And her parents kicked her out of the house summarily. Mm-hmm. And she literally had to find someplace else to live in order to stay faithful in her newfound faith. Hmm. Now that kind of thing does happen, that kind of persecution. And those circumstances are very, very difficult, daily difficulties in fact. Yes. Just trying to attend regular services can be an extremely difficult situation on the relationships in a home like that. But whatever we might have to give up for our faith and our salvation, it's worth it, isn't it? Right. No, it really is. Let's look at Mark chapter 10 and verses 29 through 31. Dennis? So Jesus answered and said, 
Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers, children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So there are times then when we're going to have to let our friends go, aren't there? Certainly. Yes. If we're going to stay faithful because they are adamantly opposed to our living that lifestyle, to sharing that kind of lifestyle with us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we may have to suffer the, the retribution of a loved one, a family member, who does not want us to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. Now that may happen, but what does Jesus say there? We'll receive a hundredfold mm -hmm. in this life. Mm -hmm. And in eternity, we'll have eternal life. Right. Now, he does mention the persecutions, though, there, doesn't he? he certainly we does. might have wished he'd left that out. Well. <laughs> but, but they're that's, there. That's reality. That, that is reality. Mm -hmm. Now, let's think about, you know, a scenario. Let's go back to our basic question that Jesus asked in Matthew 16, verse 26. What would a man give, or we could say, what would he take in exchange for his soul? Now, again, we know the answer, but what if you found yourself posed personally with that question? Is there something that you would take for your soul? What if somebody offered you the whole world? That's what Jesus posed, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get real. That's not going to happen. But what if you had the opportunity to receive $5 million if you would compromise your faith in Christ. Well, that's probably not going to happen either, is it? I would hope not. $5 million. Well, let's get more realistic. What about $500,000? For most people, they'd still say, I'll never see that much money in one place at one time. Mm -hmm. What about $100,000? A lot of people make $100,000 every year. Mm -hmm. Would you lose your soul for the sake of a job that would pay you $100,000 if it meant taking that job and performing those particular tasks would mean that you would become unrighteous, unfaithful? undedicated to Christ? You would have to do things that would, again, compromise your faith, the principles of Christianity? $100,000, $100,000 a year. It's a lot of money. It is. Well, what about $50,000? That's still a lot of money, isn't it? Sure. Pay off all of our bills, wouldn't it? Yes, indeed. Put some money in the bank? Be tempting, you think? <laughs> what about $5,000? And hopefully we understand where this is all going. Yes. You see, well, I wouldn't do it for 
five million dollars, you're not going to see five million dollars anyway, probably. <laughs> as easy as I wouldn't do it for that. Somebody came up and offered you fifty thousand dollars, or if they offered you that job for a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you were without work, say, yeah, well, it might be tempting, huh? Sure. Well, see, we would say very quickly, I would not take anything in exchange for my soul. But how many people have already put a price tag on their soul? And they just don't realize it. Maybe it is a job. Maybe it's a relationship that they know is wrong, is is ungodly but they don't want to let go of it maybe it's drugs or alcohol or money or clothes or cars or a fancy home or maybe they struggle with anger and they're not ready to overcome that struggle maybe somebody has already put the price tag of winning an argument on their soul when that was an ungodly attitude. And the things you just mentioned, these people know that it is a problem for them and that it is something that's standing between them and God. Yes. Now let's go back to verse 27 of that basic text. That basic text, verse 27, Matthew chapter 16. What does that say, Dwayne? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. If we put our soul's salvation on the proper plane of value, no matter what we have to give up in this life, we say nothing is worth losing my soul over Boy, Jesus says, eternal salvation is waiting for you. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a far greater reward than anything this world could offer us. Yes, it is. Far greater indeed. And we don't want that other reward, mm, the no. reward of unfaithfulness, of unrighteousness. We don't want the eternal condemnation of hell. Not at all. Nothing is worth that that we could possess in this world. Nothing. Unimaginable. As we close this particular study, we want to encourage our listeners to examine yourselves. Where are you? What about your soul's salvation? You know the right answer. But have you already put a price tag on your soul? Is your life not what God would have it to be? We hope that you'll contact us. We hope that you will enroll in that Bible study that will help you understand how you can be assured of your soul's salvation for all of eternity. It is free. We hope to hear from you today.